Jodie. I'm a success and leadership coach, self-improvement author and wellness entrepreneur. And this is my podcast mini-series, She's Electric and Wealthy. So series one of She's Electric is officially over and I've decided to run a mini-series because I want to open up the conversation about something that's really close to my heart actually. And it's something we all want more of and yet are afraid to talk about. And that is money. Throughout this series, my intention is to get you thinking about your own relationship with money. I want to help you understand new ways of thinking and feeling about money so that you can create more of it, more wealth in your life. And you can have a positive, empowering and successful relationship with money. So I hope you enjoy the next 20 minutes or so, and if you do, then please do share it with friends, family, audiences, anyone around you who also needs guidance and support in this area. Also, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and comment in the relevant section of your podcast app. And check out the show notes and learn more about me on my website, www.jodyshield.co.uk. So have a listen, get inspired, and be electric. So, (laughs) happy Mother's Day, because it is actually Mother's Day as we record this podcast. And I want to tell you a little funny story about how this ended up happening. Because right now, I am sitting with a very VIP. And this is my mum. Hello. (laughs) (laughs) So my mum, aka Juliet Shield, is joining me today. And... This is part of my Money Mini-Series podcast, and today we were having brunch, this morning rather, about an hour ago actually, in a really lovely restaurant in um, central London, and we were sitting, having having food, and I, I just had this inspiration, this kind of idea that, oh, I have to get mum on She's Electric somehow, and I was like, how am I going to do that? And it just started bubbling up as an idea, and then... This is all in my head. And meantime, mum is sitting next to me and she starts talking about how she had an interesting angle for us to explore in relation to the conversation that I'm opening up around money at the moment, as you guys know, as you're well aware. And so somehow she ended up weaving in this idea without saying a whole lot and suggesting that we record an episode together of the She's Electric and Wealthy Um, mini series and so I was like well let's do it now (laughs) and I thought I can't do it now Uh, I'm doing something very important this afternoon which I can't get out of so I said hey stay open to all possibilities let's see how you feel at the end of breakfast and let's move into a space of flow and by the end of breakfast I was saying right let's go let's go and do it (laughs) So I wanted to share that because this is my life at the moment. It's so in flow and, you know, when inspiration hits, you want to jump on it rather than coming up with all these reasons why not to do something. Absolutely. So today, what I wanted us to talk about, Mum, if that's okay, is how, how our past experiences and how our upbringing really impacts the way that we behave 
right now around money and the way that we think about money. And what's interesting is I talk a lot about this theoretically to people. And what's, what's great is that you're here with me today and we can have a really honest conversation about it. Absolutely. From my point of view, your point of view, yeah. and from your upbringing as well. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Great opportunity. Yeah. Get it all out there. <laughs> so we thought it would really help you by us both sharing our stories about our upbringings and what we heard about money from our parents growing up. Absolutely. And of, of yeah. course, I you know, just double check with mum before recording the podcast. I was like, listen, if there's anything that we say that you don't want in the podcast, we'll edit it out. <laughs> <laughs> That's a relief. So... With the, with the angle in mind about how, you know, how we're very um, influenced by what is going on around us when we're children and how when we're children we really do form these kind of self-limiting beliefs and um, negative thought patterns around money and finances. And I, I feel like one of the biggest things, one of the biggest gifts that you've given me, Mum, actually, is to uh, teach me about managing money well that's good I'm so glad <laughs> after all these years even though when we first started talking about it every time she'd talk about forecasting and and P&Ls what, yeah. t- what tended to happen to me how would I react well Jodie said to me once she said mum that's all very well but you are restricting my creative flow <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that's a really common excuse. Yes, and and we can I think we can actually see it now as a as a way that I would sabotage my um, my money mindset in a way. You know, like reforming new kind of habits. Yes, I think that um, I was at uh, probably up to about a year ago. Really, I was sort of trying to impose on you all the things that I'd learnt all my life and in my business about how to create budgets and keep very particularly within those constraints. Yeah. And Jodie was exploring expansion and, you know, spending, in my view, too much money on things that didn't necessarily generate a return. And so that was a sort of little conflict between us, really, although I was admiring all the way of the pioneering work she was doing. So therefore, I didn't want to, I didn't want to stop her in any way. But I was also at the same time fearful of her because I knew and I'd seen clients of my own and I members of my family in past, um, in past times sort of you suffer from not having enough money to do what they wanted to do. So there's a conflict there and yeah. there's a question of finding the right balance. Yeah, I just want to pick up on something you said because I think it's important and it's something that I come across with, you know, prospective clients and I'm sure it's something you come across with prospective clients as well. It's like, especially in the coaching arena, you might not see the return on the in money that you invest straight away because it's very much about inner work. Yes. Changing mindset. Yes. And the rate at which your results manifest depend on how willing you are as a person to change. Yes, absolutely. Um, and I also think that the most important thing is 
in conventional business or in business that most people pursue, there is a plan and you want everything to go into the plan strategically and financially. Mm-hmm. So you are adopting, in my view, a totally fresh approach to all this, which is a much more intuitive aspect on onto it. And that is to really do what you feel in a way or trust your feelings, which none of us do enough, really. Mm. You know, we don't trust our own intuition. We were talking about this in the tube just on the way here. And uh, I was talking about Steve Jobs. Steve Jobs, you say not Jobs, isn't it? Jobs, Jobs, Steve Jobs of Apple. And I can remember reading something, listening to something recently where he was absolutely convinced that the way forward for the iPhone was to not have any screw holes showing on the design and how important the actual design of the product was. That people should love it and want to touch it and look at it and find it a thing of beauty, which he ended up by doing. And, but he was laughed at because people never thought of the iPhone or the phone the mobile phone as being anything else but practical, a practical object. So what did it matter whether there were some screw holes showing? But he was convinced that that was the way forward. Mm. And he was right. Mm. And he was obsessed about being right and his own intuition. And it obviously paid off as being Apple as one of the most successful companies in the world. Yeah. So it's interesting what you say about Steve Jobs because... I can relate to him in a way because I do feel like a lot of my thinking concepts are quite um, uh, different to the mass market. And so when you're kind of going against the grain, you have to have 100% belief in yourself and what you're saying, even if it might not be, in inverted commas, reality or proven, you have to have this deep sense of self-belief. Yes, you do. And quite interestingly, and I think it's that's why I'm hugely, hugely optimistic about the youth of today. It sounds a big cliche, but the sort of 20 year olds, the 20, the early 30 year olds, you know, like you as well, um, in that it's great starting a a, a business when you're young. Like I started my first cafe when I was 25 Mm -hmm. and had no fear. Yeah. that it would ever fail. I knew there was something I wanted to do. I was passionate about it and I had all my friends helping me. And it was, there was no question that it was going to succeed. And that's a great thing about starting businesses when you're young and you're, you don't have any fear because as you get older, you kind of, with all your experience, you tend to embrace the failures quite strongly and you become more restricted. Mm, yeah, yeah, interesting. Yeah, it's really it's really interesting. And if if I move back into what we were talking about a moment ago, in terms of how your past experiences around money and finances really influence how you show up around that now, um, I I remember um, I remember being around the the dinner table, and um, what was really great about our family, I think, was that you know, money kind of was talked about in a way. I, 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 I kind of remember it being talked about. I mean, there was, there was a bit of stress around it because you both had your own businesses, really. And so 
you guys know if you're entrepreneurs listening, you know, and I, I have my own business as well, but I'm out of the fear of that. I don't really have fear around money not coming in. But in, in, your, in, in that age, when you were um, in your 30s, 40s, you know, there was fear around being an entrepreneur and, oh my gosh, what if money didn't come in and you had two children to support and food to put on the table. And I remember, um, you know, there being quite a lot of stress around money. Yes. And I think that's what I picked up on, really. Even though I always felt like I was more than provided for, I always, you know, knew that I did everything that I wanted to do. And I knew that I was, you know, always supported throughout, you know, school, college and university. And I knew that. But you kind of tend to pick up on Mm. the fear. Yeah. Um, And so, you know, and obviously I other weird and wonderful habits and, um, you know, uh, things, behaviours around money that I kind of uh, accumulated as I was going through university and using spending as a way to kind of block emotions, which is very common. Um, getting in a lot of debt. Do you remember when I got Can in you, a lot of debt? I was just thinking, it's just <laughs> come up. Do you remember when you were 18? And at that time, credit card companies would be very aggressive in their marketing mm. to young people. Yeah when they knew that because 18 is the legal age for being able to have a contractual relationship with somebody, they'd target people as soon as they came to their 18th birthday. And you got all this information through the post about how you could have this credit card. And I remember we went on holiday to New York to see some friends and you spent, you had a credit limit of 1,500 pounds and you spent 1,485 pounds on Presents for your friends, mainly. (laughs) Teddy bears and all sorts of things. Brought them all back. And then you got your credit card statement and you realised that it had to be paid back. So perhaps rather harshly, in retrospect, a lot of my friends said, oh, go on, you know, she's young, you know, just pay it off for her. And I thought, hmm, I don't know. I think we're going to do it a different way. So what we did was we went to the bank that I had a relationship with for my business and I asked if they would give you a loan and you would be paying it back. And I said, we agreed, you and I, we had a conversation, a very grown-up conversation about it. You had a Saturday job and we said, right, how much do you think you can afford to pay off every month? And I think it was something like £50 a month. And that's what we did. And over two or three years, you paid the debt off. And I think it was something that possibly stood you in good stead. I was probably a horrible, mean mother, you thought at the time, making, you know, spoiling all your fun. But I think maybe it's a good thing to have a bit of financial discipline at the base of yourself, of your psyche. Yeah from which you can go forward and be creative. Mm. But somehow you can't just be completely spendthrift in life and creative because, you know, you've got to get the money from somewhere and if it is lent to you, you have to pay it back at Mm. some point. Yeah. And it's interesting what you say about, you know, this kind of balance between understanding, like, when to let go and be creative and expansive, but also needing an anchor to... um, you know, a foundational uh, container to, yes. that when money comes in, it is really um, effortlessly filtered into the right places. You know Absolutely. what's coming in, what's going out. And I think that's really important. 
However, what I then experienced after all of your lessons about financial management, what I then went through was I went completely to the polar opposite of that and started really checking my bank balance and forecast sheet every day. <laughs> and then the energy around that became really controlling yes. and tight and yeah. resistant. And then, of course, you're getting visibility of exactly what's coming in. And so straight away, your mind goes, oh, well, that hasn't come in yet. Or that hasn't. Oh, gosh. And then you start worrying about what hasn't come in. And then when you start worrying and focusing about what hasn't come in, that creates more worry and then more restriction. And then the likelihood of the money coming in that you want to come in is quite low because the, you're so tight and contracted. Yes, yes, I think you're totally right about that. Mm. So it's interesting. So what else do you remember about us growing up as a family, <laughs> about money and finances that you want to share? Anything? Well, anything I always remember you being terribly generous with wanting to give uh friends what you had i I can remember our neck when you were about probably about 12 or 13 you were at school you were at the same school as your next as our next door neighbor who was a little bit older than you but i remember you'd very very hard you know you'd work very very hard to save up something like 30 pounds and at school you always had a they were encouraging you to do that which i totally approved of and you had about 30 pounds, I think, in your school savings piggy bank. And it was the next door neighbor's birthday and she was about 13 or 14. And you decided to draw it all out and give it to her. And I thought, well, that was very, very generous. Perhaps <laughs> a little bit extravagant, maybe. Um, and uh, so I can't quite remember how it resolved itself. Perhaps you just gave it to your friend. And I just thought, you're a special, you've got a special spirit because you're not, you're actually, you feel like giving it all to her. And why not? Mm. It's what you felt like. It's interesting because um, if, if I look in our family, uh, a, a very strong trait or characteristic is generosity, isn't it? You know, think about Nana, Dad, you, um, Puff Puff, which, which is your father, and yes. Papa. You know, everybody was so generous and granny as well. Mm. Everyone was so generous in their, you know, giving out their abundance and their wealth and yes. their money, weren't they? Well, I think it's interesting. I, I think there were more constraints on perhaps my generation having inherited it from the previous generation. That's your all your grandparents, because they were very much affected by the war of which we heard endlessly, my brother and I, during our growing up. And unsurprisingly, really, because it was such a, a time of uncertainty. And we worry about Brexit and all these rather minor things at the moment, because we're all, a lot of us anyway, hopefully, m most of us are well-fed and warm and have a roof over our heads and so on. But in the time of the war, Second World War, when we were worried about we might have been invaded and taken over by another nation against our will, that led to huge insecurity. And therefore, as I have got older, thinking about how my parents were, I am not at all surprised that they were always slightly worried about being uh, not having enough money because it's all connected with insecurity and I think it all came from that event really. Yeah and we were talking 
on the way back to record this very spontaneous podcast episode, which I've just thrown mum in to the deep end completely, we were talking about how um, how your how you were taught about money and financial management from your father and and the impact it had on your own business. So if you wouldn't mind sharing a bit of that, absolutely. And I think that comes from what I'd just said before. Um, a lot of my parents' generation, they had, they after the war, after the Second World War, sort of round about late 40s, early 50s, they really had nothing and they had to start businesses completely up from scratch because they'd all been away, you know, the fathers had all been away fighting so they didn't have a career. So as they built it up from scratch, every single step and everything they gained, every little managed to buy a house or something, everything was so precious to be able to gain these things and everything was a milestone. So I think when it came to uh, understanding being brought up in that kind of household and then for me going on to having my own business, I took a lot of this from my father who was a great mentor to me during the setup of my business and he very much, I mean, I entered it, and it, it's something I always bear in mind, darling, when I'm kind of thinking about your business, because I started when I was 25. I then got my first restaurant premises when I was 27. And because I was doing something a bit pioneering in, not, in a very uncrowded market, it, somehow I'd hit the right note of my, what we call a concept now, and it was terribly successful. So there I was, 27, with a fantastically successful restaurant, which I couldn't stop people coming in. They were queuing up out the door down the street. And it made me very arrogant, actually. And I was spending money as though it was going out of fashion, building things up, having big, grandiose ideas. And the second, so the first year I made a fortune really I thought it was a fortune I thought it would last forever and the second year I lost it all because I'd spent so much money and things do not always continue in the same going on the same level so that's why you have to excuse me a little bit when I do kind of foist a little bit of that on you and I can feel myself doing it because I see how you know, the beginning of any business is often you're the new flavor, you get lots of press and everything seems to be fantastic and books and everything like that. And I just felt a little bit sometimes watching you, although you have been so successful, I thought, I wonder, I was fearful because I'd seen myself go exactly in that direction and then had to rein myself in. And my father then said to me after my when we came into my third year and I just said I haven't got any money left I've run out where's it all gone I've run out of money and he just said you have to keep quarterly accounts you've always got to be ahead you've always got to be in control so that's the way my business went really is that I was always in control but I did gradually learn to loosen up as I came and expanded and I think it's all about keeping a balance and you have to, sometimes I think everybody has to learn this at the beginning in, in your business. You have to get a bit of a shock mm. to be able to find that balance. Mm -hmm. Because when you start something, you are completely enthusiastic, mm. which is otherwise you wouldn't do it. Mm -hmm. So you have to be. Yeah, yeah. 
That's really interesting um, what you were saying and there's so many thoughts that came up as you were sharing so generously. Um, what One of the, the big things that came up was, you know, what you've taught me is about, you know, being is about being ahead and forward planning and, you know, is making sure that I know exactly what my tax bill is going to be, you know, eight months in advance or however however long you have before the tax bill's p- paid. So that I transfer that money when, as soon as it comes in into the account and I know exactly where I am and I mm. forget about it. And then the tax bill comes and it's already there. Yes, And, Very you know, good. I've found by working with some of my clients at the moment who are high flyers, you know, and they haven't been educated in ex- just that, you know, putting money aside for tax. So when the tax bill comes, they're scrabbling around and having to find 20 grand from somewhere, you know, or more. And, you know, it's it's mad because I could totally relate to, to what they're going through because that was me. Yes. <laughs> that was me. Um, so that's the first thing I wanted to, to share and, and then for everybody that's listening, the importance of, you know, knowing where you are when it comes to taxes and um, like any outgoings that you've got, just making sure that you have it there in reserve and you're putting it away in another savings account or however you want to put it aside. That, that's been a, a life changer for me because it also alleviates the anxiety and stress. Absolutely. And it that's really It makes important. you more secure, you know, and it, there's nothing wrong with security, you know, yeah. as a bedrock, yeah. as long as you don't feel it restricts you. Absolutely, yeah. And then the other thing that was coming out, um, it, and, and not to really go into detail about the exact figures, but is... You know, the la- the financial landscape of my business, if I look back um, six years ago when I started the business, and it began by me following a very traditional practitioner model, which was me kind of subconsciously copying someone else's idea of what a practitioner should be and having a clinic in Marlebone and seeing all these clients back to back and going through that. And then, you know, actually, I don't know if you remember, but I, I earned a lot of money in my first year of business. I do. do you remember? Yes, I do. And I funny that you, men- you mentioned that, <laughs> that you did the same, right? Yes. I earned a lot in my first year of business because on the side, um, I also won loads of corporate work. So I was on a retainer by um, a big media company that were paying me like a few thousand, if not more pounds a month, in addition to what I was earning from my one-to-ones, in addition to what I was earning from workshops. So I think sometimes my take-home was like 10 grand a month for that first year, right? Yes. Which is mad. When you think yes. first year of business, yeah. you know, me walking out of an advertising job into that is quite crazy. And then I did exactly what you said that you did. I didn't save any money for tax, didn't even know, didn't have an accountant or anything, which is everybody listening that's an <laughs> entrepreneur and has their own business will totally relate to what, you, what I'm saying. Yeah. Had that shock, like you said, you need a yeah. shock. Had the shock. Then the second year, I kind of bombed, really, financially. Not bombed, but just about broke even. And then I've been on this incline ever since until you remember, um, you know, when I doubled my income and then it's been an amazing upward, you know, not an upward, but an amazing ascent ever since then. Yes. And if I look at my forecast sheet now, like every month I'm going up in increments. And that's not necessarily... A model that would be typical of most entrepreneurs or business owners to keep going up no because honestly everybody from my financial mentor that I work with Jeff to my accountant firm to you mum to dad to everybody around me that I talk um, talk about business to 
would say, oh, you're going to have up days and down days and you're going to have, you know, it's going to be a roller coaster. And as much as that is a concept that I am, I'm not ignoring it and it's there. I'm just choosing right now to focus on the the increase and the flow and the abundance because that's serving me really well. Yes. And it, I'm not saying that, you know, and if, you know, when I, when I do get pregnant, have a baby, yes, that will mean that I'll have to take a month to three months off and I'll have to make sure I've got reserves. And however, I trust so much in that process and that evolution because it feels like an evolution to, for me. I trust so much that when that happens, it's going to be, again, another thing that's in flow with my life. Um, even though I know if you're a mum listening, you'll be like, honey, you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> and I get that. But the way this is the way yeah. that, you know, we live our lives based on our belief systems, right? The world is whatever I say it is. And the world is whatever you say it is, mum. Yes. So I see the world through my eyes. You see the world through your eyes. So I can choose to experience something the way that I want to experience it. Just like, you know, I mean... When we got married, mum was a big, big help in terms of the organisation. And, you know, that enabled me to stay relatively stress-free. Even I went away the week before the wedding. People were just like, what are you doing? <laughs> Total um, Yeah, so I, I feel like my, the, my financial health and financial landscape of my business um, is, you know, it is what I say it is. And so if I want to experience it in a very free-flowing relaxed mm. worry-free way then that's what feels good to me to do absolutely but I think I, I, I go back to this thing about having the shock or whatever it was that you you've got to experience that yeah. and once you've experienced it you will never unexperience it so it's always there so however creative and free-flowing you become which is good to be then you will always have that knowledge mm. there. You've never, you'll never not have it. Yeah, I so, agree with that. So, you know, you don't have to worry in a way and letting yourself be run away with mm. in a way because mm. you've had that experience and you'll never unlearn it. Mm. I've got a question for you and it's something that I get asked a lot um, and I have my own answer for it, but I'm really interested in hearing yours. A lot of people say to me, okay, like we understand what you're teaching around money and like, it's amazing. It's very radical and it's, you know, helped me. And, you know, and I, I've worked with clients who have doubled their, doubled their income. I've had a client who's had a 50 pound, 50 grand, 50 pounds, 50,000 pounds <laughs> pay rise before. And most of the women that joined my Get In Flow program earlier this year made them exact money that they needed to invest in Get In Flow back a week in, some of them five days in, which was amazing. And it proves that this stuff really works. However, a question I get asked a lot is, okay, what's your opinion about debt and being in debt? And is it okay to have credit cards? Well, I think it's, it's all to do with the whole picture of being in control. And I think, you know, if you're in control of your credit card, uh, I mean, for example, I pay everything on my credit card because it's a very good way of of seeing what your expenses are if you just got it in one place but I pay it off every month which means I'm a terribly bad credit risk you because mean you I, pay the, the whole I pay the whole amount off every month and I always make sure that I'm able to do that and that makes me feel in control and mainly because why would you not pay it off every month because the rate of interest is so high so it doesn't make sense you might as well pay it off from another source where you're 
not paying so much interest. So it's purely practical, but it goes back to this whole notion of being in control, um, which is not, and I don't regard it as an inhibitive factor, being in control, I regard it as a liberating factor. Because if you are in control, it liberates you to be creative. Mm. So that's my view of That's that. nice. So if you've got a strong foundation, then yes. you, know, you, can, um, you can fly. Yes, absolutely. Mm, that's, yeah. that's really interesting, actually. And uh, I'm sure that will relate to a lot of you who are listening. The other, the other thing that I get asked a lot, and I really want to unpack this as a, as a topic to explore, is this idea of... You know, is it okay to want to earn a lot of money? And can I still be a nice person? Can I still be a spiritual person at the same time? You know, and I feel like, I just want to say something before. I feel like, um, you know, it's, it's such a juicy topic of conversation, especially now in an age where, you know, it's so so much more possible to to earn, earn a million pounds absolutely be a because of technology absolutely yeah. Yeah. and so i you know the way that i see it mum is that for, for you know i'm on a massive quest for expansion you know me i'll literally go and train in osho meditations one weekend and like this weekend i was in kundalini workshop and then i'm off to see my spiritual teacher next week for a week and that's i'm going to go through all kinds of inner change and expansion like you know give me an opportunity for transformation my sleeves are rolled up i've dived head first into this place and you know that, that about I, do. Me. I do i'm a you know so because I understand in a very energetic way that, um, I mean, I understand the energetic principles of this more than anything else. You know, money is energy. Money is energy. It's the energy of exchange. Yes. It's a currency. Yeah, it's an absolutely. energy. That's it's a force. It is, yeah. And so energy, it's basically energy wants, to, it's, it's energy that wants to expand us. Just like consciousness on a spiritual level is as primary goal as expansion. So as human beings, because we are conscious, we are expanding all the time. So wealth, having a high wealth consciousness, having an expansive wealth consciousness is very aligned to our journey into expansion. So for me, it's like, right, my, on, a, on a certain level, I desire to be a millionaire. And I'm just going to call it that because that's what it is to earn a certain amount of money. Mm. Because I want to experience what it is like to hold the energy of that. Yes. Because I understand that every time I advance, you know, I have to strengthen my energy field so that I can hold that amount, that, 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 that increased amount of money. It's just like, um, so let me just kind of say that again. What I'm saying, everybody that's listening, is that, you know, when we increase our earnings and double our income, our energy field has to be built up to hold the amount of energy, i.e. money, that comes in. Yeah. So we can't just suddenly go and win the lottery because, as you guys know, 95% of lottery winners, when they, when they win a million pounds, they, ha- they lose it straight away. because They can't not, cope with it. They can't cope with it, but I would, say, I would say it's because their energetics can't cope with it because you're yes. overloading their yes. system energetically. Yeah. I hope that that makes sense to some of you. If if it's a new concept to you, it, we're just exploring this together. So you know, re- take what resonates and and leave what doesn't resonate. So, I guess my question for you is: Is it okay to, to earn a lot to of money? Earn a lot of money. Yeah. 
Well, this is very interesting because it's not in our culture, really. We're, we're taught to that it's we're taught you know even on through the medium of social social platforms that we're we're taught to be or some of us become envious of people celebrities who suddenly earn money very easily which happens a lot these days uh you see these young women they get a product they've got something whether they're related to the kardashians or whatever it is and they suddenly they're up there and they're suddenly earning all these money and they they it attracts uh envy that the world is kind of you know where where we we kind of get to understand that that's the norm so we understand where we kind of understand you you are very much going against the flow in some way that you're saying I want to earn a lot of money. You're being very brave saying that, I think. Um and yet why not? Because lots of people some or some people probably not enough. The world perhaps is not evenly sufficiently evenly distributed in terms of wealth. Mm. And should be more so. So really, if you're earning a million pounds, you're getting it from somewhere else. Maybe we're unlocking some of these billion, billion, billionaires who've got far too much that they don't need. Mm. And you may have, as an expansive, generous person, you may be having all these great desires to help educate women in Africa and so on, and have other things. So, I. you know it, it, it first of all when you say that i think oh that's a funny one and you know will everybody understand this will they still like jody enough will they still want to be part of jody's journey yeah. if she's saying i want to earn lots of money i i want to earn money from you mm. you know so mm. it's an interesting idea but i i actually do understand what you're saying and sympathize yeah. and i think that It, 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 it I agree with you and it you've hammered this home to me in the last two or three years and it's been quite difficult for me to get my head round actually this idea of money being energy but I do think you are right mm. about it and we need to unlock it from certain places and we need to put it to places so we can help humanity yeah uh be more spiritually at peace mm. I mean that's the aim isn't it that we all want to get on somewhere is to lift other people up and make everybody make the world you know like john lennon said imagine we're all one one happy big happy family in the world yeah. um so yes so i'm totally in favor of this and i think there's actually nothing wrong with saying this and i think if everybody goes around saying i want to earn a million pounds i think we will all be the judge of whether they're worth a million earning a million pounds or not and we either follow them or we don't yeah yeah and certain people who who we seem to spend on lots of things that we don't like mm. we won't give them the money so i think it's fine to say yeah. that yeah there's a couple of things that come out as you're sharing that i wanted to capture and the first thing is what you're saying is that in in a sense is that to earn um a lot of money to be a millionaire or beyond it's important to have a why a reason why you want to and i think that that was kind of the missing piece of the puzzle for me it's all very well having an intention yes. or a desire i want to earn a million pounds why do you want to earn a million pounds because i've realized that money comes in when there's a it has a purpose 
Like it's yes. they have a job to do in a way. Yes, yes. So otherwise money comes in and it's just floating around. It's not grounding into anything. Yeah, so just staying with you exactly. rather than you being the medium from which exactly. it's going to flow out again. Exactly, yeah. So, you know, because when you have more money, it amplifies you and your abilities and your power in the world. And so... You know, everybody listening to this podcast, it's likely, and I've said this before, but it's likely you're all very heart-centered individuals and like very good, kind, compassionate people. Otherwise, we wouldn't resonate and you wouldn't even be listening to She's Electric, right? So, you know, that mean, that says to me that if you have this desire to earn a lot of money, it's only going to enhance who you are as a person, as a public figure in the world. And that's going to benefit so many people. Yes. So get your self-limiting beliefs and ego and negative thoughts that are repelling money out of the way and allow money to flow into your life. Exactly. Yeah. And the other thing that was coming up was you and I were talking about this on the way to get to the podcast interview was when we were briefing, uh, when I was briefing you and when we were talking about it. And, you know, I have this, I have this uh, passion to really take rip the, rip the plaster off the money wound in a way you know like our show ripped the wound off sexuality back in the 70s and was like right you know religion has suppressed sexuality i want to um learn about sexuality i want us to open up about sexuality i want us to you know experiment in sexuality and he was radical in his time and so I want to do something similar I'm not saying that I'm radical with this money topic because there are lots of other people talking about it in a different way but I feel like it's important to steer the conversation into uncomfortable places like you and mm. I talking about is it okay to be want to be a millionaire right for most people that's triggering because for most people they're like I don't deserve that like who mm. are you to say that you want to be exactly. a millionaire like I'm just their inner judge comes out straight away and yet I would challenge that and say that what that always comes back to is the part of you that is afraid of earning more money because more money gives you more power. And then so many of us are afraid of our personal power and our ability to show up more in the world, to turn up the volume on ourselves because we're so afraid of being rejected, judged, criticized, losing everything, whatever it is that's running us. So when you're judging someone for, for being successful financially, watch yourself. Because in any case, when you're judging someone that's wealthy, you are limiting that exact opportunity and possibility for yourself. So if you want to be wealthy, yet you're judging wealthy people, you are absolutely closing the door on that possibility for yourself. Absolutely. Mm. Couldn't agree more. So... What's, what's kind of one thing that you would like to lead, leave us with today, Mum? Like a, a couple of sentences or even just a, something, some kind of wise and wonderful concept or phrase or teaching or anything that springs to mind that you would like to leave us with today or leave all the listeners with today? Well, I was just, uh, we were just talking about coming along. We were just talking about, uh, I was just talking about a little anecdote I remembered um just going back to this thing about being budgets and being restricted and putting imposing restrictions on yourself and um i i was speaking at an event and i was terribly telling this telling the audience how very proud i was in year three how i'd got right down to the the hundred pounds within my budget forecast and somebody stuck their hand up in the audience and they said why didn't you go further? 
Why didn't you make more? Why did you feel restricted in your budgets? So really, I feel... And what did you say to that? I, I don't think I really knew how to respond. You know, I think I just laughed or something like that. I was very surprised by the question because I was so pleased with myself having made the targets. So I think what I'd say as a finish, it's really to endorse what we've been saying during the conversation, which is to say that it, it is terribly important to be in control. The m- money has two parts to it, and it's a funny beast in a way. It's a, it's a medium entirely, as you pointed out earlier on. It's a medium of exchange. It's nothing, really. All it is, if you look at your wallet, it's pieces of paper and pieces of metal. It means nothing at all. It's just uh, a, a complete medium, and I think it has... these two aspects to it that you need a certain amount for yourself to give yourself a secure foundation and after that you need to really use it productively a bit like the the story of the prodigal son in the bible who the, the 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 the, the, the first son who stayed at home and buried it and didn't do anything with it and the other son well there were three I think but the last son who goes out into the world disappears for a year and uh, who comes back and has done all these things as sort of you know he's just been totally profligate but he comes back into his father's fold and he gets welcomed back again so you know it's all relative and it depends on how you deal with it but I think it on the whole it's a balance between being in control and being expansive nice well thank you so much Mum, for that impromptu interview I hope you enjoyed it just as much as I do I have and to everyone listening I hope there are lots of nuggets and juicy bits of wisdom that you can take from this so thank you so much for listening thank you so that was the beginning of a powerful conversation around money for some of you it's a reminder of what you can shift when you focus on improving yourself and your mindset especially when it comes to money and wealth You deserve to be worry-free. You deserve the freedom that comes from having an abundance of resources. You deserve to travel and whatever else it is that sets your heart on fire. I hope you enjoyed this episode of She's Electric and please share it with everybody. Subscribe, rate and review the podcast. I'll be back next series with another electric woman.